May 20th, 2021. I'm Ron Scharf. I'm Avi Kaufman. And this is Accent Insights. Thank you for joining us again. Last week, we teased that we were going to talk this week about some unusual deals in this very unusual market. Before we go into all these different deals, you'll see how people act differently in these four different transactions and how they assess their own risk very differently and how that uh, manifests in very different behavior as sellers. Exactly. So, so the first one was, I'm so happy. Some lovely clients just closed on a, on a lovely home in Needham. And it was a huge effort to get there starting from the very offer. And, you know, we, we in a market where everything that was priced right was getting multiple offers and huge bidding wars. Here was a home that was, um, you know, it was overpriced for sure. And it was, it had a unique feature, which for my clients is actually something they liked. It's up on a hill. So it has And and just just to clarify, your clients were the buyers, right? My clients were the buyers. Correct. And they, and so this home is up on a hill. There's a lot of steps to get in from the front. You can come around the high side from the back and it's not a problem at all. But from the front, if you only came in from the front, you would be climbing a lot of steps. And my clients, they're very athletic. They're outdoor people. They loved it. And they especially loved the view you had when you got to the top. So they were excited about this. And I had a feeling that, you know, uh, for much of the market that, especially if they didn't know to come around from the back, the, the up on the hill part would be, uh, you know, a deterrent and it was overpriced and, uh, and sure enough came time for their offer deadline and they didn't have any except for us. And we made what I thought was a very fair offer. And in the face of no competing offers, the sellers just told us no, you know, counter offer, no negotiation, just said no. And, and that's unusual. <laughs> Usually if, if uh, you know, you're doing that prior to them having the opportunity to bring it to the market, to have the open houses, then, you know, that would be a very rational sort of position and say, well, we want to expose it to the market. We want to see what else comes in. But this was just, just to hammer home the point, this was after the, the open houses, after it had been exposed to the market and it was a, full, it was a, a good offer and they didn't make a counter offer. Um, they Correct. just gave a flat out, because that would be the other thing to do is say, you offered X, we'd be happy with Y, would you do that? They just gave a flat out rejection. Correct. And as a listing agent, you know, boy, the, the thing you want is people to start talking, right? You need people to come in with an offer to indicate their interest so you can start that conversation. So to shut down the conversation from the get-go was ridiculous. So, you know, for two days, they just sort of said no. And it was left to, you know, me and the listing agent to sort of say, do you think if, you know, I got my guys to come to this, would your guys engage in the conversation? And, you know, ultimately she, she was very happy that I stayed on it. Um, And we did, we did finally get to a point where, you know, they came to a number and, and even that number was sort of grudgingly accepted, even though it was a very good number. Um, so yes, we got past the offer point three days later and, uh, and you think, boy, from that point in, you know, we still had to do inspection and, you know, we okay. promised, they said, we don't want to be nickel and dime on the inspection. We said, we're not going to nickel and dime you on the inspection. We just want to know what's going on with the home. So, so that's, that's, a, the initial entry into this deal is, is unusual in that they, you know, the flat out rejection, but you know, this happens sometimes, right? Like a seller has, if they have unrealistic expectations, they just want, uh, what they want. And, you know, there's probably, they're probably probably disappointed and coming to terms with the re- reality. But I, I suppose sort of the important point from this then also is just how that can sometimes set the tone for some irrational behavior after that point. I think you're right. The tone is very important because, you know, if you go into a situation as in this one where the, the sellers were sort of grudging on the number, 
not for any reason, you know, other than their own expectations, but they sort of grudgingly accepted the number and they, they went in with a negative tone and that negative tone followed through the entire transaction. So, you know, the next thing after the offer, after the inspection uh, was to go to purchase and sale. And we had the inspection one day before the purchase and sale agreement was to be signed. And my clients, true to their word, did not raise any nickel and dime issues. However, there was a leak in the drain pipe, which the inspector said, this is significant. The, su- the sewage drain pipe. Correct. Just, just to be clear to everyone, <laughs> it's, not a, uh, it's not like, oh, there's a little drip. It's like, oh, there's sewage dripping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and the inspector said, I don't know, you know, what to think of this. You really should have a plumber look at it. And then there was a beam that was sagging. And he said, you know, you should really get a column in here. And that's, you know, that's not uncommon in an older home. They did sort of stretch the lengths of beams sometimes. And, um, you know, you often find that that will lead to some sagging and cracks in the wall and things like that. Not a hard fix. And, and my clients just said, look, all we want is for you to fix these things, right? We want to go forward with the purchase, just fix the leaking sewage drain and, you know, shore this up or just get us a letter from an engineer saying that this beam is okay. We just had that conversation immediately after we got the inspection report because we were going to PNS the next day and we didn't hear back. And so, you know, then I, I kept pressing the, the listing agent, what's going on? And she said, well, we got a plumber and we disagree. And we had this conversation. And then at some point it was the afternoon and she said, well, they're not going to sign the PNS because on the offer we wrote that the PNS would be signed at noon and it was past noon and they just don't want to go forward anymore. And so that's an interesting use of the deadline as a way to, for a seller. Cause normally you would say like, look, the um, offer says that we're going to do PNS by this date and we're going to, you know, we're all going to make good faith effort to get there. Um, now in this case, sort of, they just ran out the clock in some circumstances, a seller backs out and the buyer could say, well, we're going to sue you for specific performance. Like you have to sell to us. You signed a contract. The initial offer is a contract. Uh, but they're saying, well, because we sort of strung you along past the performance date for the signing of the purchase and sale agreement, we're out of the initial contract. Correct. Now, just to be clear, when would that be a good tactic to use if you had another offer? Right. If someone had come along, you know, in the back end, say, oh, we missed out. We really want the house. And, and you think you can get more money or a better deal or something. OK, fine. That would be a smart use of a deadline in a contract. But here there was no one else. There was nothing else. They were just saying we don't want to. And in the end, actually, my clients backed down. You know, they, they were prepared to do some work on the house anyway. And they said, you know what, we'll just we'll just deal with this. And so uh, we thought for sure. Okay, having t- removed all of the inspection requests, demands, whatever you want to call them, and said, we're just going to go forward with the home as it is, the sellers would have said, okay, great. No, they did not do that. And we went to bed that night, all of us thinking that the deal was dead. Interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure I would recommend, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would say that it's a smart use of the, of the deadline to, if you have another offer coming in. That's not something that we would recommend doing. Um, no, but, but it, just, it would you, make you, it I, rational. I think, Right. I think that's the point that you're making, right? Like not that that's an ethical move, but that that at least you could understand that being a rational move from the seller. But in this case, um, th- there was no rationality behind this other than we just don't like you. Correct. Or we just we just don't want to talk. You know, exactly. It was just the negative tone. There was really and that's that's very hard. You know, again, I talked about you, you want to have a conversation. You want to understand people's interests. You want to understand what they're thinking. There was none of that communication there other than 
you know, we just, we just don't want to do it. But of course you want to do it. You put your house on the market because you want to sell it. So, okay, you know. so how did you, how do you bring this back? So, so now you're out of contract. They've basically said, we don't want to sell on the agreed price, even with no changes. Um, your buyer said, you know, we'll deal with the sewer, sewage pipe. We'll deal with the, the support beam after the closing and the seller wants to walk away. How, how do you get them back uh, into agreement? Well, you know, aside from long talks with the listing agent, you know, along the lines of what are they thinking? Help me out here. Are they really interested in selling their house? There was nothing we could do. And, you know, what actually happened is we, I, I'd like to say that I, I performed some miracle of salesmanship to get this back. But no, what happened was the next day, these people woke up and said, okay, we really do want to sell the house. And they, <laughs> they brought the deal back. Now, and truthfully, right at that point, if my clients had been hard nosed about it, they could have, you know, maybe had some leverage because, you know, now, first of all, these poor people had to go to bed that night, having committed in their minds, you know, first when they made the offer and then to give up on the inspection items, they were so committed to this home. And then to have that taken away, it was, it was gut wrenching. It was really awful. Um, you know, the last thing I said to them that evening is tomorrow we'll start again and we're going to, we're going to find you your home. Um, and that's often good advice. Sometimes for the seller and for the buyer, like everyone sleep on it. Things often feel and look better in the morning after a good night's sleep. Uh, there's no sense staying up to 1 a.m. Uh, trying to uh, hash out something where, where everyone's got hurt feelings. In the morning, you'll feel better and right. easier to work out. Yeah, or, or move forward. I mean, but it, we, we did reach the point where there was nothing to do that day. Um, so, you know, sure enough, the sellers had a change of heart. And they went forward. And then, you know, and then after we signed the PNS, everything was roses. They were, it was literally roses because they were sending photos of the flowers in bloom. You know, please send this to the buyers to show them their new home and all of that. So everything looked great. And it was kind of funny. It is an all's well that ends well situation. You know, the clients are, are very, very happy to have that home. They're excited to be moving there. Uh, I'm very excited for them. And, I, you know, they, they really, if, if, if you could say that anyone earned, you know, their new home, it's these people. And Oh, good. Well, I, I'm glad that, that it worked out. And, and now, you know, another transaction that you're involved with, this one's still under agreement, but a different client, different buyer client uh, was involved where they made an offer on a house and it wasn't accepted. And then they went to a different house, made an offer. They're in a happy transaction that's on track and they're happy. But the seller of that first house is probably less happy at this point. Right. Can yes, you tell us that, more about that? Sure. I mean, you know, I think in, in both of these cases, it's interesting, right? I, I have a friend who one of his favorite expressions was a great one. If you play poker, he used to say, you know, you've got two pair and you're playing it like a full house, um, which is to say you're really overplaying your hand. Right. You think you have more than you do. So in the case of the of the Needham house, it worked out OK because the buyers were very motivated and they they did what it took to make it work. In the case of this other condo, I mean, this is very interesting. Again, you had a situation where condo was on the market for over a week, exposed to the market. It was a... Over you know, two it, weekends when they made... It was after two full weekends when your clients made their offer, right? Correct. And it was and it, it's a, it was a fixer-upper. You know, it was priced well for what it was, but it completely needed to be redone, which, you know, as it happens, my client was excited to do. They were excited to take a home. They wanted something that was run down, priced accordingly. 
But to get into it, uh, so it was priced, it went through two full weekends. Some buyers in this situation would say, okay, let's make an offer for less than the asking price because clearly there isn't competition for this one. Um, the market has sort of said something. Let's, let's make a lesser offer. Your client said, no, we just want to get this done. We're not playing games. And they made a full price offer. 100%. And that was exactly the conversation I had. I said, you know what? There's no competition you know, do you want to offer a somewhat under ask a little bit? How do you want it? No, we want it. And we think the price is fair. As a seller, you couldn't ask for a better buyer than my clients. They weren't playing games on the price. They weren't going to negotiate on the fact that the place was run down. It was actually for them a feature that it was run down because they were going to redo everything anyway. Um, so we made the full price offer. You know, we had an inspection pretty much just for um, informational purposes and, you know, and I was expecting that thing to come back and signed and ready to go. And sure enough, I got back <laughs> the message that, you know, no, they're going to we, we move the offer deadline, they said, um, because no one but us responded by the offer deadline. And we're going to we're going to say no to your offer. And I was dumbfounded. I was I didn't I never. I, I, I mean, from, the, the follow up question, of course, is, oh, do you have um, other offers circling or do you have other offers in hand? And it was, no, we just want to wait and see what the market will bring, even though we've already been through two full weekends. And, and so from this is an interesting the place from the seller's point of view, where maybe they see other houses around them uh, getting multiple offers, selling quickly. They think we're priced lower and we should sell, uh, we should get great things. And um uh, did, did people like forget to check their listing emails or like, why is there no one here? But the truth is that's sometimes the market responding and them ignoring the market signal. Um, and, and, you know, there could be more to the story. We don't know what's going on in their heads, but it's sort of a, uh, an odd reply because as more time goes by, both sides have more information, right? But after two weekends go by and you guys offer full price, if, if even more time goes by, then your buyers could presumably come back and say like, look, even more time went by, even the price we were offering is too high. Uh, you know, clearly we're the only ones here for this. Correct. And that, in fact, that's what I did when I bought my home. <clears throat> um, I tried to buy out my first home in Brookline. This is, goes back now 16 years. You know, I made an offer on a Thursday and I said, it's only good till Friday. It was a floating offer. We've talked about this before. We'll talk a little bit about it in, in this particular podcast, but um, when they didn't accept that, you know, I, I, I told them, you know, my next offer will not be this high because you want to have your open house because you want to get more market information. But if you have that open house and the market doesn't bring you a better price, then I have more market information as well. Right. And that tells me that maybe I'm offering too much. And that's, you know, what Avi just said is that would have been a perfectly reasonable response um, for my clients. But in any event, what happened here, and it's it's hard to know exactly, although we, we know a little bit more because we, we know a little bit about the neighbors in this situation. I believe what was going on in this case was the sellers understood that developers were buying properties like theirs um, and paying a premium for them because they were going to gut renovate them and sell them for a high premium. Um but the problem they had was that they were not selling the entire two-family home. They were selling only one part of that. And really, no developer wants to take that on as a project because you're dealing with another owner. You can't do what you need to do. You can't do just everything you want to do. No developer wants to negotiate with another condo owner about the renovations they're going to do to a building. It's just not going to happen. So 
we, we cannot underprice in Brookline. There are enough buyers, usually in, in certain, certain price ranges, that if you price low, the market will bring you many buyers, the price will bubble up to the market price, and you probably get on the high end of the market price range. So- and conversely, if you price high, the market will sort of sit it out and you'll get punished for pricing too high. And this That's is not correct. this is not something this is not a strategy for every market, for every location, for every price point. You know, this works very well for um, the prime part of the market in Brookline, where there's a very sophisticated uh, market. Uh, people know what things are worth. Uh, serious buyers have made multiple offers, and it, there's a lot of competition. And it works the winning strategy for this part of the market. It is, but you know, often when I have this client, this conversation with my sellers, you know, sometimes they ask me, "Well, what if we price it what we think is low, and you know, that's all we get as an offer?" And my answer to that is, you know, look, you don't have to take an offer, but if all you're getting is an offer at your asking price, you have to ask very seriously: Is the market telling me something? Right, um, and ultimately, like. The seller doesn't set the price. The buyer doesn't set the price. The brokers don't set the price. Um, it's it's the agreement. It's it's the market. It's it's the the buyer and seller coming together is what sets the price. Um, so if if that's all you're getting, then that's that's your answer at least for that moment in time. And now you can say, well, but this was in January, and what if we did in the spring? It would be worth more. Like, well, maybe um, because there would there would be more demand then. Then that's a different market at that point. Um, right. So you, you have to do it for the market you're in. And in this case, this this sort of um, hesitation on the part of the seller did not work out in their favor uh, because your buyers, they were motivated, but they were motivated for a house, not particularly that house. Well, the ironic thing is they really were motivated for that situation, right? Not, not, not necessarily that house, but they wanted the fixer upper. That's what they said they wanted. They were prepared to do the work. They had done this once before, and that's what we were looking for. But- Sure enough, the day or two after their offer at asking price was rejected, here comes a lovely condo on the market, completely not what they think they're looking for because it's all done, right? It had just been renovated. It was lovely, but it was in a location that they really, really loved. And it was very sweet and charming. And, you know, and they said, hey, let's go see this. I said, sure, let's go see that. Um, Not what you want, obviously, but let's go see it anyway. Sure enough, they went and they saw it, fell in love. And we made a very competitive offer and it's you know, under agreement right now. And, and I love a happy ending when it's my clients. Um, you know, unfortunately, the listing agent for the other unit, well, he's not at the end of his story in any event, but he's not happy um, because I got, I got texts back while we were looking at the, at the condo we ultimately put under agreement, you know, Hey, if, you know, if your offer at ask is, is, is on the table, we'll accept it. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but right now we're, we're looking elsewhere. And sometimes people say that, you know, as a negotiating tactic, but, you know, I always love to say things when they have the benefit of being true. Um, it was true. And then, you know, we put, we put this other place under agreement. I got a few more texts back. Hey, you know, are you people still interested? And I said, no. And then it's, well, do you have anyone else? Uh, you know, what you get is a story of some sellers who are really regretful of the movie. And, and, and they ultimately uh, have actually reduced the, the asking price um, since then. And right. it's still on the market. And yeah, I'm sure it will go. Like it's, it's a place that, that the price is, is probably right uh, at this point, but it, it's been on and we'll see what happens. So we'll, we'll have to monitor that one. So that's, so th- those are the sad stories. And then, but we have a couple happy stories of people behaving super rationally. 
Um, because Avi has recently put some some places under agreement for his buyers where the sellers were actually risk averse, and that worked to the benefit of Avi's clients. So yeah, so tell so us a little about that. Three recent uh, sales under agreement, and for all three, my buyers were were flexible in their schedules, um, and you know, the properties came on, uh, and so we should see these right away before the weekend. So. Uh, two of them, well, all three of them, my buyers love them and uh, said, look, we know that we, we want these and we're, we're anticipating there could be competition over the weekend. There was a lot of interest. Um, so one of them, we made an offer, I think, Wednesday night, the, literally the day zero of it being listed. Um, another one we made an offer on day one uh, and the other one, I think also either day one or day two of being listed. Uh, so all three prior to the the weekend open houses. On uh, Number one, uh, they said, okay, we're offering... At asking price, um, you know, decent contingencies, and the seller came back and said, you know, it's before the weekend. We have some interest. Uh, you're at price X. If you go to price Y, um, which is a little bit higher but reasonable, um, we'll feel good and we'll we'll make a deal. Um, and my buyer said that's fair, and you know, we understand you're foregoing the market opportunity to go over the weekend, and we came to agreement, and it's under agreement. Uh, situation two was even hotter, and we said. On our side, we're talking and saying, look, we need to induce the seller to, to even consider an offer prior to the weekend. We could see this one being uh, very competitive, very hot. We made a strong offer above asking price, stripped out some contingencies. And uh, the, seller, the seller said, yep, this makes sense. Um, rather take the, the bird in hand rather than see what happens. And they accepted it as well. And then the third one, so the first two were in Brookline. The third one was in Brighton, where it's a very different market. And the first two were for properties, one with three bedrooms, one with four bedrooms. The one in Brighton was a one bedroom, so very different market. But the seller said, look, we think there's going to be some interest over the weekend, so we're not going to accept before the weekend, which also is a rational response. Um, it just has to do with how much um, risk the seller is willing to take, how much they value having one in hand versus seeing what else comes in. And so there was a risk that we would walk. We were, in fact, considering another condo uh, in Watertown. But ultimately, we put in the offer on, on this condo, and uh, there were three offers, uh, but we ultimately won that bidding and for the same price, essentially, that we had put in before the weekend, actually. I'd say that that's pretty lucky. I, I mean, it's, so it's interesting. Regular listeners of this podcast will, will know that generally our advice when we list is that if there's, you know, if there's an offer on Friday, it'll be there on Monday. Um, now we don't know that for a fact every time. And usually we get a sense from the broker tour and from the showings in between how strong, you know, the interest is. Um, so we, we can say with more confidence, like don't take the offer before the open house, give the chance for the market to, to work. Sometimes we really have a sense that the market is going to do good things for us. I don't know about the, the deals that, that Avi talked about first and third. I do know the second one. Um, I have to say, I was a little surprised because I saw that unit and I thought this is very well priced for what it is. And the agent had sort of a blitz of open houses happening that week and was, she was really going to make the effort to market this thing strongly. And I didn't think, frankly, that your offer was that super strong. It was good. It was solid. Um, I mean, I've been in a situation where I've had my sellers accept an offer to buy out an open house that was similar, right? It was good and solid, but not amazing. Um, I was really quite surprised that that you pulled that one off. Yeah, well, sometimes, sometimes you just need um, uh, uh, a little bit of luck, and 
um, some reassurances that it's going to be a smooth transaction and um, then a little bit more luck. Right. No, and I think I think the the flip side of that is, you know, the, the t- we tend to give our sellers the advice, um, you know, if it's there on Friday, it'll be on Monday, the offer. Uh, we tend to give our buyers the advice, you know, fortune favors the bold, right? Take your shot. Um, you never know what's going to sway uh, a seller. You never know who's risk averse. You take your shot. You don't expect to get it. Uh, but sometimes it works out, and here you have it, right? There's two deals in a in a pretty strong market. Um, you know, we'll, we'll I think we'll talk in future podcasts about sort of the oddities of the market right now. But it's it's a pretty strong market, and those were both condos in a in a pretty popular price point. Um, you know, good neighborhoods, that kind of thing. And, and it's uh, it, it's worth saying that I think we calculated it once where we we sort of estimated what percent of listings accept an offer before the first weekend. And I think if memory serves, we said it was between twelve and fifteen percent will accept an offer uh, before the weekend. So it's not a slam dunk. It, it's worth taking the shot. It is ultimately when you're working for a buyer, it, if you know that you love it and you're prepared to make a strong offer then uh, it's worth a try. If you're not going to make a strong offer, you might as well wait till after the open house because right. if you make the offer before the the weekend, then you're really just putting the seller in a better position because then they'll be sort of shopping you around and telling everyone that comes in, well, we had one offer, but you can beat it and sort of pushes people to make an offer better than yours. Correct. Uh, but if you if you put in a decent offer, then, uh, you know, if, from the seller's point of view, if that's what they're looking for, uh, there's a chance they'll take it. And the worst that will happen is they'll say no, and you can compete with everyone else um, after the weekend uh, if you still want it, or perhaps you'll see something else that you want. Right, and you know, and again, the, the advice we we tend to give people is in a in a competitive market, don't play games. Figure out what you want to pay. What is it worth for you to have this property? You know, imagine yourself the day after you make the offer, and if you get it, are you feeling like, oh, I paid too much? And if you don't get it, are you feeling like, oh, I had another $10,000 to give, right? Either one of those circumstances when you don't want to be in, you want to be in that point of indifference. And if you know where that point of indifference is, and that's a strong you know, offer that you can make, make it beforehand. You, know, you just never know. So sometimes you, know, you get sellers that are super rational um, and they will take that burden in hand because they're happy and they know it's good. And sometimes, you know, even when there's no other offers, you could get sellers who you know, just think, wait, because that someone's coming with a bag of money and I want to wait for them rather than take, you know, a very solid offer. So you have to sort of grind through the process and there's always someone on the other side, you're going to have to work with them. Right. It's about keeping the conversation going. Number one, two, the the, the tone of the, of the relationship with the seller is important from the initial offer all the way through to the closing. Uh, three, um, sometimes it's uh, it pays to be aggressive in in your timing and and not to play games in order to win the game. Uh, you win the game by changing the game. <laughs> and, and four, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, all true. Um, I think that's all we have time for today. It has been a strange market, I think, since the fall and into the spring. COVID has kind of turned a bunch of things on their head. Um, and uh, we'll try and make some observations. Until then, see you next time.